Good evening, Boston, and welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Mafedon. Thanks for tuning in. In celebration of the Easter holiday, Brighton Main Streets hosted their annual Easter egg hunt, and residents hopped into action. Bunny rabbits came from far and wide. The daffodils were all decked out in their brilliant Easter yellow, and the decorated eggs were all in place, ready for the Brighton Main Street Easter egg hunt. It was every kid for himself as children filled their baskets with colored eggs and prizes for this annual neighborhood favorite. It's very important to keep these traditions going because it's part of, of keeping the, the spirit of, of the Eastern, the, of, of joint family. So I think it's, it's really, really important to, to keep this type of traditions where not only grown-ups can enjoy, but also the kids uh, who will be the ones that have to keep that in the future. Egg hunters were adventurous and excited to search for their golden carrots. And to them, chocolate is worth its weight in gold. The spirit of Easter reminds residents that with the arrival of spring, also comes new opportunities to reconnect as a community. I love this tradition. Um, it's just, it's something that you can keep doing every year and you expect that, you know, the community will, will keep gathering and how important it is for us to keep coming together. This is one of our favorite events in Brighton. It's a really important way for getting the community together and celebrating our community as well as Easter. It's also really important to have traditions. They help bring your family together. They help show your values of your family and what's important to your family and making sure that you are passing things on to the next generation. Enjoyed by both young and old, the Brighton Main Street Easter egg hunt is keeping joy alive across generations. This is a wonderful tradition every year in the community and I'm so excited to see so many families out here. Uh, we are in a moment where community is really important and necessary to draw on the traditions that our uh, ancestors and all the families who came before, starting from immigrant families who brought these traditions over here, is really important. So we're happy to, to pass that on today with our own kids. Musically gifted Bostonians showed us what they're made of at Fenway Scott Talent, the newest singing competition at Time Out Market. Fenway Scott Talent is back for its second year, and BNN News is here at Time Out Market to check out the first week of Singing Hopefuls. So it's really a place where you can just come and experience a great night. We do all kinds of events, you know, whether it's an activation like Fenway's Got Talent. We do local markets like uh, Fenway Flea Market, Boston Women's Market for, for Pride Month. So it's constantly just reaching out to the community. If you want to be involved and come down and experience the community and what Boston has to offer, this is the place to be. And it's a really great community you know, having all these tables, community, like family, family style kind of stuff where you just come and you can start conversations and meet new people. Um, I think that that's really exciting. And then just competition in general, especially when, uh, when you feel like you're going into it with um, hope and support for everyone else who's also competing, that it's just like, we're just here, we're doing our thing, and I hope for the best for everybody. like competition that I've been doing with lots of people and I think it's really great to be here and I want to show people 
um, how a nine-year-old can be such a great beatboxer for the world. It seemed very, very interesting. It seemed like a cool opportunity for individual artists who may not be able to get that much of a spotlight to be up here and to perform their music. I just love the intimate moment of just an artist sharing their heart to an audience. And I, and I just love that connection between the artist and the audience. And, and the ability to be able to do that and have something that I can put forth and put in a competition is really, really cool. Everyone has their own style. I'm sure we're going to see uh, different genres, uh, different musicianship. What I look for is consistency, your enunciation. Are you feeling the music? But I think what it is is your interaction to be able to draw the crowd in, no matter if you're a singer, you're playing a piano or a different instrument. Music is universal. Music is love. It brings people together. And our winners from this week and for all the contestants to show some love. A new group of performers will compete each Thursday in April with the final round on Thursday, May 4th. To be part of the audience, timeoutmarket.com forward slash Boston. The Bayard Rustin Community Breakfast is a celebration of the iconic civil rights leader, Bayard Rustin, who spearheaded the gay rights movement in the 1980s and was one of the first outspoken advocates for AIDS education. Inside the JFK Presidential Library and Museum, the names and faces of those lost in the early years of the AIDS epidemic greeted guests at the 33rd annual Bayard Rustin Community Breakfast, serving as a powerful reminder why advocates and community health organizations are still fighting and the new frontier of the HIV-AIDS crisis today. The good news about HIV and AIDS is that it is almost a completely manageable disease now. That was not true 40 years ago when it first emerged in the gay community. But now, if you have access to care and treatment, you can live a normal life. AIDS awareness in our community, in the marginalized community of Massachusetts and abroad, needs to be heightened. We need to bring it to the forefront of our communities and all of our families. I mean, because it's affecting us. If it affects one, it affects all. Attendees reflected on the life and legacy of Bayard Rustin, an openly gay black civil rights leader whose commitment to protecting and uplifting the BIPOC LGBTQ plus community still resonates. His commitment and resilience and passion there were a lot of people that didn't want to listen to him. I didn't know his story until I came to Fenway Health. I didn't hear about it in school. I didn't hear about it in college. I heard about it now. And despite that being an ear that was carried during his time and now, he still stood strong and fought beside people and, 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 and supported that work regardless of what people were saying. And that is the resilience that we are bringing into the work that we're doing now. The importance is making sure that young folks specifically know all the work that has gone into the fight for HIV and AIDS to end the fight. Um, it's also important to understand how many people we've lost um, because I talk to a lot of young people in Boston Public Schools and they don't know that HIV used to be a death sentence. So it's important to talk about the history. It's also important to talk about where we're going with uh, this fight because the fight is not over. 
keynote speaker and 2023 Bayard Rustin Courage Award recipient Cecilia Chung inspired the room with her personal story of overcoming discrimination, rejection, and negative stigma around her status, becoming a champion of both the trans and HIV AIDS communities. When I first tested HIV positive, there wasn't much hope. But we see the differences now, and we saw how the, the whole world come around to support trans rights. For the first time this year, community partners and health organizations like Access Health Mass and GLSEN were present to speak directly to the community and share resources for those at higher risk of contracting the disease. And when one is on PrEP, they have a 99% chance of not catching HIV with any encounter. The medication has been around for 10 years, and it's not being as utilized as it can. And our black and African-American community, also the, the black and indigenous people of color, are not utilizing PrEP, so we're catching HIV. In the midst of educating, there was also joy as guests celebrated the beautiful shades of color in the room and the vibrancy of the LGBTQ plus community, with all committed to moving forward together as one. In Jamaica Plain, FCC President Jessica Rosenworcel promoted Boston's Affordable Connectivity Program to senior residents who may need financial assistance in order to bridge the digital divide. The FCC is making digital connection more affordable for Boston, particularly for families that are 200% below the poverty line or qualify for social services programs. Digital equity has been a recent focus for seniors and those who may not have access to technology or high-speed internet due to socioeconomic reasons. On Wednesday, the FCC held a press conference in Jamaica Plain to promote the Affordable Connectivity Program, which offers up to $30 off monthly internet bills and a $100 discount on the purchase of any digital device. And so much of the digital divide we've talked about in the United States has been about rural communities and the lack of infrastructure where service doesn't go. But I just want to tell you, we also have problems in urban communities because people are struggling to pay for gas and groceries. And it's hard to stay online, get online. But you know that online connection is no longer about just sitting online, watching videos, sending a few emails. It's about keeping up with modern life. And everyone, including elderly people, deserve that. And for the first time ever, we have a program in the United States called the Affordable Connectivity Program that is designed to help. If you're on Medicaid, you use the Lifeline program, SNAP, you have a child or grandchild on the free and reduced lunch program at school who lives with you, this program can help. It is so important that, uh, that people, including our older residents, get connected both to internet that they can afford, to devices that they can use, and to the skills, the training that they need in order to make sure that they can use the internet to connect with family and friends, to do their medical appointments, kind of all of the things that you need to do now on the computers. We're so excited about the Affordable Connectivity Program that enables people to stay connected to their families, to their city, learn about events, uh, being able to learn new skills. And for when you connect, you're able to reduce your bill for by $30 a month. If you're a senior and you're struggling to make ends meet 
This is a great opportunity to stay connected with family, uh, connected to content, connected to the rest of the world. So. By addressing the financial cost of current technology, our elder community has one less barrier in realizing digital equity. On March 28th, Boston lost one of its legendary civil rights leaders, Mel King, who made historic strides for Boston in his 60-year career in civil rights activism and politics. And on Tuesday, the city said goodbye to the beloved figure in the South End. On Tuesday, Boston giant Mel King was serenaded to his final resting place as state leaders, residents, and family shared memories at King's homegoing celebration at Union United Methodist Church in the South End. May his example be a call to action to fight longer, to think more deeply, and to love harder. Thank you to the King family for sharing Mel with all of us. His memory will forever nourish the earth we tread. His words will guide us on our path to justice. And today he wears an eternal crown befitting the king he was. And when we commemorate Melvin King, we commemorate more than people of African descent. We commemorate all people, all human beings who have struggled for justice and freedom and peace in the babylons of oppression and slavery and violence in our land and throughout the world. Here in Boston, he'll be remembered for the community that he supported, shaped. He'll be remembered as the community remembers him. Bold, brilliant, unapologetic, rooted in service, dedicated to doing what was right, driven above all by love, leading with love. If it was up to me, I'd probably keep him to myself. But one of the grandest lessons his life has taught me is that we are not in possession of anyone. And to love is to let our loved ones live their purpose unapologetically. King's life was full and one of impact, and his legacy will continue. Governor Maura Healey has jumped into action to protect abortion rights in Massachusetts. A federal court ruling in Texas has banned the use of mefepristone, the standard medication abortion. This ruling comes after months of increased restriction to abortion access in Texas and throughout the United States. It harms patients, undermines medical expertise, and takes away freedom. It's an attempt to punish, to shame, to marginalize women. It's unnecessary. It's terrible. But the good news here today in Massachusetts is that we are not going to tolerate this. This judge ignored the decades of research showing that medication abortion, including mifepristone, is safe and effective, and decided that the FDA got it wrong because that's what he wanted to do. His decision was based on ideology not science, and certainly not the law. Well, that's not how the law works. That's not how science works. That's not how drug approval processes work. And this judge does not have the power to do it. So this is a dark moment, 
And I don't say that to be hyperbolic. I say that because we are living through a coordinated decades-long attack on our health and our bodies. A coordinated attack which aims to dehumanize and misinform, and moreover, a coordinated attack that is already robbing far too many across the nation of their right to bodily autonomy. And patients can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that this medication, which so many will rely on, will, for the immediate future, remain accessible in the Commonwealth. Today, we collectively are saying loud and clear, not on our watch. Mefepristone, which has been the gold standard for 20 years, is used to treat several medical conditions like lupus and ulcers and to manage miscarriages, among other medical uses. Governor Healy and the other state leaders are determined to protect the rights of Commonwealth citizens at any cost. And Healy has issued an executive order confirming protections for medical abortion under existing law. In collaboration with UMass Amherst, Governor Healy secured 15,000 doses of mefepristone to ensure sufficient coverage in the state for more than a year, as well as additional quantities for patients. The Healy-Driscoll administration is also dedicating $1 million to cover the cost of the doses. Moving on. Gudwin Nana is the president of the Nigerian American Multi Service Association, also known as NAMSA, a Boston based nonprofit. In his other life, he's a journalist who has extensively covered Africa and African issues, traveling across over 30 countries on the continent and diaspora. Nana joined us in studio to discuss the Nigerian community in Boston and how NAMSA is making its mark. April 1st was Citizenship Day here in Boston and your group NAMSA, which is the Nigerian American Multi-Service Association, was present as a community-based organization. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of the day and the impact that it had on Nigerian immigrants in in the city? So I think it's obvious to say that you're not really American until you're American, you know? And so uh, for many of our folks who've been here for a pretty long time, uh, some people, some people when they get to the stage of just the green card, it gives every access. You can go in and out. You can do virtually everything. Uh, but a few things probably, like voting and a few other things you cannot do. So people get comfortable at green card level. But I think if there's anything that the, the, the Trump era taught us is that... Um, you are not there until you're there. So, because there were a few people who suddenly were losing status and having to be deported out of the country. And so, uh, but much more than that, I think we felt as a community that uh, most of our folks have been here for a pretty long time and just on that green card level. So um, that opportunity was very, very significant for us that the cities opening up a space, inviting us to say, okay, we can help uh, provide legal services and others to enable folks in that category become full citizens of the country and be able to participate in civic issues, civic engagement, be able to be involved in determining who um, governs you 
and uh, the, the tap that flows, the road, and all of those infrastructure that uh, life runs on, who are those who make decisions about it? You can actually be involved in determining who should make decisions about these issues when you're a full citizen, so when you're a citizen, so get involved. And NAMSA encourage our folks and say, please, don't, don't live here like you are not part of the system. Meanwhile, you've been here for a pretty long time. So if you are at that stage where you need to be a citizen, come on. Leverage this opportunity and be one fully. So it was, it was a great opportunity for us, and people felt um, very excited to participate. It was NAMSA's first time to be part of that program. Oh, that's great. And, and, and so we... We look forward to it every year um, from, from this year onwards. Wonderful. Um, and speaking of NAMSA, can you tell me more about the organization? What led you to create it? And what are some of the programs that you offer? So NAMSA for Fool is Nigerian American Multi-Service Association. We often go by that. NAMSA is easy to pronounce, but um, it's really an umbrella for uh, Nigerian Americans and, and really people of African descent. It's not just limited to people who, but people of African descent and, and that includes African migrants uh, from the homeland and then African diaspora uh, who really, it, it, it's, it's an umbrella for us to come together to address issues that affect us. Uh, and so um, one to fraternize as as a people who confront similar issues, uh, but also um, to deal with uh, things that impact our communities. So we, we do a couple of programs uh, for young people. We have some youth development programs. We have been involved with um, a program we call Writing for Writing program. Mm -hmm. um, uh, this program evolved out of something we were doing many years ago, which was uh, we had this essay competition. We were having young Nigerians do every year we challenge them, come on, take on this issue, write about it. You guys in high school, you guys in college. So we set to give them two uh, questions to write about. And then the high school people do it, the college people do it. We have an independent panel that determines. So these are the folks that did it in a way that we consider uh, quite in-depth and all that. So um, over time, we migrated that program to something that really uh, helps the young people, empowers them uh, to be uh, communicators for social change, you mm -hmm. know, uh, just uh, one, realize the power of their voice, that as young people they have a voice. Uh, two, realize the power of one, uh, that yes, we're in a democracy, and democracy is all about the game of numbers, okay? But also there is something called the power of one, which is one individual can make a significant difference. Mm -hmm. You know, if we think about names like Martin Luther King, if we think about names like Rosa Parks, if we think about just so many names in the black community, these are just one individuals that left mark on the communities they came from and the country as a whole. So we're telling these young people that you can make a difference. And more so, you can make a difference through the power of your voice. And so even though we call it writing for writing, uh, writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, and write for writing, R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G, uh, so, but the, the concept 
uh, goes beyond just pen to paper. It's about just elevating the voices of young people. We have had people, young people who have written fantastic poems addressing the issues that affect their, their community. We have young people who blog and vlog. Mm -hmm. We have young people who use all the uh, aspects. One of the things we tell them, for instance, is look at the impact of the George Floyd story. It's, it's a tragic story. It's a, um, it's a story that arose the consciousness of people to injustice in our system to police brutality, to man's inhumanity to man. That whole thing, those changes that occurred as a result of that awareness would never have happened, would never have happened if a 17-year-old young man who was witnessing this did not realize that, that the phone in his hand is powerful. Hmm. He picked it up right away and began to video it. And after videoing it, pushed it out into the space. It went viral. Now it's impacting policies. Now it's causing a lot, whole lot of rethinking in several spaces. It's helping us as a society address several issues that affect us. One young person. There are so many such instances that are happening or have happened before. Mm. And some people just looked at it and said, oh yeah, one of those days. But this young person said, no, this must go viral. And look at how much that has impacted us today. So the power of one and the power of your voice. And we are in a time when just one tweet can drive the news cycle. Right. So we're saying just don't just consume social media for the sake of it. Realize the power that it is for you as young people to make changes. That's our broadcast for tonight. Thank you for tuning in, Boston. For BNN News, I'm Faith Mafedon, and I'll see you next Friday.